0: what those whispered messages you you see like that are. If you're nosy and curious like me, you always wonder. So that was, the sound system keeps dropping out on its own. It'll heal itself in about a minute and a half. Somebody time that just to see. Uh, For those of you who are reading my lips on the internet, sorry. Uh, As we, uh, as we, there we go, be healed. as we get started this morning, I want to remind you what Pastor Tim was talking about last week. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, you hung on to those words, that they're still with you, or that you caught them on the internet, and that's why you're here today. You thought, oh man, wrong bald guy. thought we were going to get Tim again. Sorry. Uh, what he talked about last week is, one, as was mentioned, we are the church. This is not a church. This is a building. It might as well be a warehouse for cars. A church is people. A church is a group of people who've been called out to gather together in their support of one another as we follow Jesus. That's church. And that's what you and I are. We are a church because we as believers, we as humans engaged together in this cause, are together a church. That is our definition. So as we were talking about this last week, Pastor Tim left us with that powerful so now go out go out and share what you've discovered in christ go out and, and and bless somebody else this week and i just want to know show of hands did you succeed oh uh, did you fail are you too chicken to tell me i forgot all about it by by old tuesday or so sorry tim i did I forgot that he had sent me out. Now, I kind of am professionally out. You know, that's what Tim and I do. We're professionally out. And so we go about doing those kinds of things. But to have it as a secondary thought process, to be considering, okay, what might I do to bless somebody this week? That just wasn't sticking in my head. So I'm going to need, you know, I'm going to need some encouragement. Pray for me. I think, I think for all of us, there's that need to say, hey, I'm on the planet doing a job, doing some things. But I have a lot of things behind that. I am here to represent Jesus in this crazy place where we live. We are looking at a world that seems to be spiraling on a death spiral to its end, doesn't it? It's just getting messed up. Worse and worse and worse all the time. It seems to me that every time I turn on the news, the news gets worse. I hear about people doing things that I just can't believe they're doing. I I have to admit... I admit this secret publicly, which makes it no longer a secret, so it has no power over me after this, But sometimes I feel like one of the two old men on the bench saying, isn't the world getting terrible? I'm qualified, but I'm not sure, because I only have my perspective on the world. And it seems to me, in the span of my life, Things have gotten worse. If the world ever needed the church, it needs it now. If the world ever needed people with a different perspective, it needs it now. And you know what's great about it? Is we actually can make a difference. So as we talk about this this morning, as we get started, I I just want to share with you from some familiar places in Scripture, words of Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Familiar words? People who are not Christians actually quote these words occasionally. You're supposed to love your neighbor. Those are the ones that get, it, get it, the, the, the society even says, love your neighbor. You're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love your neighbor. Okay, everybody on this side, love God, love God. Love God. On this side, love your, love your neighbor. Okay, now love God on this side, love God. and on this side, love your neighbor. Okay. Love God. Love your neighbor. 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 That's today. If you can get that and live that, the rest of everything is fine. You do not need theology classes beyond that. You do not need big descriptions of what you're supposed to do where somebody pulls out the 50 texts on a given topic and covers them for you this week. That's Simple statement, love God, love your neighbor, will cover your Christian experience. Those are the two things that we are to be about. Those two simple things. If you define church in that way, you would say, church is a gathering of people who have gone out into the world to love God and love their neighbor. Simple as that. You get to define it, too. Jesus does give a little bit of a description. Tim's impromptu uh, drama group. This morning did a great job giving us a simple picture of it. So as we get started, as we get to sort of dig into this process in this passage, would you pray with me as we go, as we go? Father, we ask that you would give your your grateful blessings to us. Your no, 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 your your wonderful blessings to us. We'll be grateful to have them. We ask for the infilling and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that everyone in the building might hear from you, even the preacher. So we're going to talk about the bare necessities to begin with. So when you you hear the bare necessities, does a song start going in your head? The bare necessities of life will come to you. Right? We're going to talk about the bare necessities. The bare, B-A-R-E, not B-E-A-R. The bare necessities. What are the bare necessities? Someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deeds must I do to have eternal life? Don't we all kind of down under our skin have that question? What are the minimum qualifications to get me into heaven, right? What would I have to do? I was uh, I was taking 19 hours a quarter in my my, my senior year because um, I hadn't gotten enough credits in the previous three years uh, to be taking a lighter load. And so into my junior year, my, I got a, a new sort of graduation counselor, and they called me in, and they said, oh, guess what? you're not graduating this year unless you do some, uh, some extra work. I said, well, I'm taking a full, each le- a full load each quarter. She said, when I think about how dumb that answer was. But anyway, and then she explained to me, well, yes, you have, but a full load could be pretty minimal. Minimum requirements necessary. And so because I had been not carrying a full, full load each quarter, I was behind. And so I was taking 19 each quarter, and I was getting to my last quarter and had to take A general philosophy class. Who just said, ooh? (laughs) That's how I felt about it, too. I had to take this general philosophy class. Now, I lucked out on this class because my philosophy professor was brand new from the university. He'd never done this before. And so he he had these great expectations of students desiring to sit at his feet and learn the the great messages of philosophy and understand the philosophers of history. And so he got up and made this speech at the beginning of the class. It was a great speech. It was perfect for me. He stood behind his desk. I remember it was a class I'd taken several other or classroom I'd taken several, several other history classes, um, uh, biblical theology classes. I was familiar with this classroom and this was just another guy behind that desk. And he got up and he said, Ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to get an A in my class, you're going to have to get an A on each test. And you're going to have to get an A on the papers that I'll ask you to turn in each, uh, for each, uh, let's see, every three weeks in this class. If you'd like to get a B in my class, you need to get a B on all the tests. And you're going to need to get a B on the papers in this class. Next he was getting to me. If you only want to get a C in my class, I had something in the neighborhood of 150 credits accrued. There was no way his class, two two credit hours, was going to affect that in any dramatic way. If you'd like to get a C in my class, all you have to do is get a C on the two tests, get C's on the papers. I don't even care if you show up the rest of the quarter. I was out. I went to the class to turn in my papers and take the tests. I have no idea what went on in that class other than what was in the notes of my friends who were in the class. Minimum requirements. Someplace in your life, you're putting the minimums in. I hope it's not your marriage. Because if that's where you're putting the minimums in, look at your spouse right now and say, I'm sorry minimum requirements what are the that's what this guy wants to know what's the minimum requirement to get into heaven what are the good deeds i have to do what must i do to sneak in i don't care if i'm slipping sliding through the door just barely as they close it but to get in what are the minimums what are the minimums so jesus kindly answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. That's the minimum. Did you catch that? The minimum requirement is to keep the commandments. Minimums. If you've known, if you've asked minimum requirement questions before, you've asked this. Which ones? Which ones do I absolutely have? You know, there's a lot of them out there. There's lots of stuff, lots of kind of commentary in there, which are the minimum requirements necessary to get this done. You ever get in your car, especially if you've brought a, bought a brand new car and you're driving it off the lot? That moment when you've gotten the keys, you've you've battled with the person who's been selling you this car, you've You've struggled back and forth. You've gone to his manager, and then you've gone to the sales associate who's in charge of, of funding. You've gone to this person and that person. They just keep passing you, like, passing you around, trying to squeeze a little more money out of you. And finally, they've handed you the keys, and you've gotten in the car. Do you ever get in the car and stick the, car, the keys in the car and say, I hope the minimum requirements necessary for me to survive are, pro, are present in this car? Now, I do hope that, But I hope somebody has exceeded the minimum necessary requirements for survival in building my car. Minimums. What are the minimums? Which ones of these commandments do I absolutely have to do? Are there some I can just kind of skate on? Some I can kind of go, eh, that one's not as important. Jesus says, you must not murder. Good place to start. If you want to know the minimums for getting into heaven, don't kill people. If you have that in mind, it's off your list. You must not commit adultery. Another good one. This is not only good for you. God says it's good for your relationship with him. Don't commit adultery. You must not steal. How are you doing so far? This one's a little weird. Steal what? If I walk out of the bank with the pen that they gave me to sign the form, have I stolen? Bank manager over there said no. It's advertising. (laughs) Now, if I'm in uh, in the file cabinet of the church and there's a stack of pens and I take six of them home with me, have I stolen? I'm broke then I'm done I'm not getting in somebody pray for me because I have taken some of your pens home that you bought your offering paid for the pens at my house sorry you must not testify falsely isn't this a nice way to say don't be a liar this one's about right this is about not taking the name of thy father and thy mother in vain it's about not speaking ill of your parents ruining their reputation with their friends it's like it's about not not whining about your parents to their to your friends and other people in public it's it's really about those things in case you were wondering did you know this next one was in there I have been a professional student of the Bible for 40 years. Somehow I missed the last line in the story. Because I'm so caught up in this guy. And I'm so caught up in, in what's going on with him and this interaction with Jesus. I'm so caught up in the moment of the going back and forth. I miss that. Somewhat embarrassed to admit it, but there now. And love your neighbor as yourself. Don't kill people. That's kind of a love your neighbor neighbor issue. Don't commit adultery. Qualifies. Don't steal. Yep. Don't lie. Yep. Honor your parents. All kind of fall into that tub- subject, don't they? Love your neighbor as yourself. What are the minimums? Requirements for neighbor loving. I had a neighbor. We shared a lawn. And so the lawn was probably as big as these first three rows, maybe four rows, and it extended from probably here to the end of the row. And we shared it. Not a big lawn. So I would mow his lawn when I was mowing mine. Because it, it, it wasn't a lot of effort. I don't know if it would have been a two-acre lawn if I'd have done this. But because it was such a little one, it was like, why do half of it? So I would go and I would mow his and mine, and his and mine, his and mine. One day he caught me mowing his lawn. And he came out. I think I've told some of you the story. He came out and said, would you stop that? I said, okay, why? It's no big deal. It's not a very big lawn. He said, because you make me feel bad, you make me feel like I have to mow yours. What's the minimum requirement for loving your neighbor? What's the minimum requirement for loving your neighbor? Because apparently that gets you in. It gets you in. Human nature, yours, mine, theirs are like my survey of philosophy class. If somebody gives you a loophole, we all go through the loophole, right? I know when I say all, oh, there's somebody in the room who says, not me, I'm not a loophole person. I stick with the, I go with the rules. And Okay. Okay. Thou shalt not lie is one of the commandments. <laughs> it's like that survey of philosophy class. As soon as we get a loophole... We want to skate. We want to find our way through it. And and I, I'm telling you, this guy is looking for a loophole into heaven. Things haven't changed much. So Matthew <coughs> chapter 22, <coughs> excuse me, tells a similar kind of a story. When the Pharisees heard <coughs> that he, Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees. Stop there for a second. Who are the Pharisees? Anybody know who the Pharisees are? Raise your hand if you know, and you want to talk to me about it. Sorry? They're religious leaders. Do you know anything else about them? Anybody on this side know anything about them? They're Well, at that time, they weren't considered false, but they're very strong teachers. Yeah, they're. they're to present day, we would say, they got, they're not doing it right. They were disciples of a kind. They were certainly disciples in the, sort of that leadership group that they're in. So this is that leadership group in Israel who are taking on the teaching But they teach that you have a a certain set of rules and regulations that will get you into heaven. They are answering this question. Sure, we know what you should do to give to heaven. Uh, By the way, there are about 2,000 rules. Learn and do these and you'll be fine. God will love you and you'll get in. That's kind of the way they, they taught. The Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. Sadducees are their mortal enemies. The Pharisees and the Sadducees are on opposite political spectrums. They're the Republicans and the Democrats. They really don't like each other. They argue about everything. <clears throat> and the argument is based on a core theological difference. They don't actually believe in heaven or angels or the resurrection. And as a result, the Pharisees who do believe in heaven, the angels, and the resurrection, are, they're at each other's throat. You see the Apostle Paul start a fight between these guys one day. If you read the book of Acts, you'll see Paul's there before the, before the Sanhedrin, Excuse me. And he brings up the resurrection. And they all start fighting with each other. And then half of them join his side. The enemy is my enemy is my friend. So the Pharisees find out that Jesus has shut up the Sadducees. And they say, That's a bunch of lightweights. We'll deal with this. These guys, they, they're such lightweights. They can't even talk to this backwoods rabbi from Nazareth. Come on. So they met together to question. They're going to straighten this guy out. They're going to go after him. So one of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. You ever tried to outwit Jesus? If you have, just give up. He's not outwittable. They tried to outwit Jesus. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? you got a bunch of them. If we go just to the law of Moses, it depends whether you're talking about the law as it was written in the Ten Commandments. Are we talking about the rules and regulations that are given for the sanctuary? Are we talking about the rules and regulations for the life of the believer? There's a lot of stuff to learn here. but a, b- a bunch of stuff here. What are we talking about? Which one is the most important? You're familiar with the story. If you've been reading the Bible in your lifetime, you know that this is kind of a, a one we go back to and, re- and revisit once in a while. But in this moment, Jesus says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first... And greatest commandment. So which commandment is number one? Numero uno? Love God. Love God. Love God. I'm going to go to numero deuce, but dos, but before I do, deuce is almost as good. It's the two on the playing card. That's the deuce. Before I do, can we hold this one and come back to it next week? Or actually, not next week, week after next. Tim wants to talk about this next week. Can we hold this one because I really think it's worth some time? But the Bible is saying the primary thing that you are to do with your life is to learn to love God. What if we what if we took and put everything else aside, all other things, all other religious things, all other job things, all other family things? The primary thing you are to learn to do in your lifetime. Is to love God. If you learn to love God as primary, first place, thing that you should do pr- primarily, the anchor of all other things, love God. So this is the number one. This is the first one. And you know, he, got, he goes at it pretty good with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with everything you have. Love God. Start there. Then he goes on, and you know where I'm going with this because we just talked about it. And second is equally important. So he elevates this one, saying this one is really important too. And I think he's saying just as important. You can fight and argue with that if you'd like. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we're back to this thing. Have you figured out what the minimum requirements for loving your neighbor is yet? What are the minimum requirements? The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So let me give you some minimums. There's a man. True story. There's a man standing on the corner with only a bus transfer ticket token in his pocket. That's all he has to his name at the moment. He's broke. Completely broke. He has a bus transfer to get him back to his house. By the way, it's not a home that he owns. He's living in someone else's house. This is pretty far broke, right? He's standing there waiting for the bus when he catches out of the corner a Christian guy catches out of the corner of his eye another guy who's standing a distance off by a, a, a lamp uh street lamp. When he catches the guy's eye, he has this momentary twinge of twinge of conviction. You know what you know what that's like, right? He has this moment that's like boom, just he's never seen the guy before, he's never laid eyes on him, he just they make eye contact, and then he turns away. Because in the moment of that, 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 oh, two, three second, maybe less moment, he just has this conviction that he's supposed to help this guy. His pockets are empty. He has a bus transfer token that will get him to his house. He looks away. And God, being God, starts knocking on his door. God starts laying the conviction on him that, yeah, I, I need you to talk to that guy. I'm not kidding. Go talk to him. And you know the internal fight you have, right? But God, I don't have anything to help him with. There's nothing. I, I have nothing to offer here. I need you to go talk to the guy. So, answering that conviction, he walks over to the guy, who is now embarrassed. He's trying not to look at him. He's like, oh no, the guy's coming. He walks up to the guy and he says, "Um, hi, my name's Charlie. I'm going to make up his name. Who are you? What brings you out here tonight? How are you doing? And he shares a quick conversation and the guy admits to him, I came here today looking for work and the place was closed. And he said, "I, I came with only enough money to really get here. I don't know how I'm getting home. I don't have a phone. I don't have a way to call anyone. My wife and my kids are going to be worried. That's my story. He goes, reaches in his pocket, pulls out his bus token, and he says, this will get you to my house. This is the address. When you get there, tell the lady your story. I'll get there as soon as I can. So how's he getting home? So he gives the guy his bus token. And since waiting for the bus doesn't matter, he heads for home. He hurries. He runs a little bit. He tries as quickly as he can to get there so he can set the table, set set things up for this guy. He actually beats the bus to his house. He tells the woman he's living with, I know this is an imposition, but I met this guy. He needs a place. Can we at least use your phone so he can call and let his family know he's okay? Goes through the whole story. They get there. They feed him. She's happy to have him. She has another room she puts him up in. They call his family so that they're okay. He calls, He starts thinking about people he knows. They start talking about who, who they can contact. They get a hold of a guy who has work, and he hires the guy that night on the spot site on the scene. By the next morning, he has a job. Minimum requirement of the moment, bus token. Could you do that? If it came to it, could you do that? Minimum requirement, love God, love your neighbor, minimum requirement. Reachable? Is it reachable? Okay, now I know you're starting to feel uncomfortable because i, I got my suit and tie and I'm talking to you about your business. Yeah. Is this reachable? Just nod if you can't talk. Okay. okay. It's pretty minimal. Also would argue for this. You know, by the time Paul starts arguing to the church, starts teaching the church, Jesus has been dead. By the time we get to the book of Romans, maybe for 20, 30 years, by the time Paul is, is writing this letter. And so by the time he's doing this, he's had time to reflect on what it means to be a believer, what it means to be a Christian, what it means to follow Jesus. And he comes back to this. For the commandments, you should not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandments, by the way, he puts covet in there because that's his favorite. You know, Paul said, I didn't know I had sinned until I found out about coveting. And then I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm out. And any other commandments are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So if we had to put these two together and say, OK, loving God, primary, loving your neighbor, who it's pretty close. But these are the ones Jesus lays out there, right? Love God, love your neighbor. Love God, love your neighbor. Love God, love your neighbor. Do they define Christianity? Do they define the spiritual walk? If you start putting all the things on it, all the trappings we wrap around it, we've got church. Why do we do church? Because the people get together to support each other on this crazy walk we're in. In a world that's filled with hate, we are called to love each other. In a world filled with hate, we're actually called to... To love people we don't even know that are at bus stops and just look like they need help. And the Holy Spirit convicts us and we give them the only thing we have in our pocket, that bus token And make an impact. That's the church. That is the church. Benches nearly his entire team for breaking the rules about training. Now, the violation was pretty significant. Almost all of the starters are benched. They have a, a, a big game the whole town's waiting to see against their rivals coming up. This coach is taking heat from everyone. Parents are calling and writing Grandparents are calling and writing. The faculty and staff, they burn a cross on this guy's lawn. South. Think south. Way south of here. He gets death threats over benching a bunch of high school kids. This guy hears the story. He doesn't know about all this other stuff. He doesn't live in the same town. But he hears the story and he says, this is a very courageous thing for this man to do. How amazing that in our culture, in our times, in our society, this guy is standing up for right no matter what. And so he just sends him a note. He writes a note, literally. That's all he does. He writes a little note, and it says, good for you. I don't know you, but what a courageous thing to do. Way to go. Way to, way to stand for something. Way to teach these young men on your football team that there are things more important than football. That integrity and honesty and values are important. Way to go! And he signs it and sends it off. A week later, he gets a note back from this guy. Thank you so much for your letter. This is where he finds out there was a cross burned in his yard. This is where he finds out about the crazy things that people are saying. Adults are calling him and telling him they're going to kill him, that they're going to beat him up because their kid got benched. Oh, and by the way, they played the cross-town rivals and got killed. They were destroyed by him, and everybody blames him, of course. you did was so helpful to me. I could, I I can't tell you how important it was that you sent that little note to me. I was literally ready to leave town, to just move away somewhere else, quit my job and go away. Thank you for your note. A note. Minimum requirement, easily accessible requirement. Could you you get your hand up that high? Could you you get to the note level? Could I write somebody a note who I knew was having a difficult moment, put a stamp on it, send it off to him? Could I get there? These are pretty low bars. What I'm trying to say is there are minimum requirements, and I think we all can reach them. But they're not. They're not. They're not things to be taken lightly. Consider how much blessing this one positive note was to this poor guy. Consider how much of a blessing a a stinking bus token was to the other guy. Not hard things. We're not not talking about, you know, killing, slaying dragons and conquering nations. We're, We're talking about things that are accessible to the average person pretty easily. Can it get in where I'm going? Then the guy comes back to Jesus. Luke's the only one who tells us this part of the story. And he, he's looking for a little wiggle room himself, and he wants to justify his actions. So he asks Jesus, um, okay, I get this story. I'm supposed to love God. That's, that's clear. I'm, I'm supposed to love my neighbor. Um, can you define neighbor for me? Now, can I just ask you a question? Don't answer this one. Just keep, this is your inside voice answer. Have you ever been this inane with God? I will confess I have been. I I have cross-examined God on questions that were really obvious, looking for a way to get by. Who is my neighbor? Could you define neighbor for? Now, people spend a lot of time on this. I've actually heard preachers preach on this topic. Who is your neighbor? And go very specifically into qualifications for neighborhood. You know, if you're a member of the body, then you're the neighbor, closest neighbor. And if you're a fringe element of the body, you're the next closest neighbor. And if you're not a part of the body, then you're kind of not a neighbor. That doesn't seem to be the story to me. Jesus goes on to tell the story. Do you remember the story? Do you remember the kids who were here? Same story. man, not a Jew. In fact, a person the Jews would consider other. Person that they wouldn't even hang out with. Person they wouldn't want to have over for Thanksgiving. Person they wouldn't want to spend any time with. Put that they in your mind. That's who they are. And that guy gets robbed and he gets beaten up and he's laying beside the road and he's bleeding out. And along comes a guy who works for the church. It's Pastor Tim. And he sees him laying there and he walks around him on the other side of the street goes on his way. Along comes another guy who walks through the church, and since there are only two of us, I guess this one's me. And he also walks over on the other side of the street, and he walks around him and just keeps going on. And along comes this guy, who's that other guy, those they's, those people, that folks. He sees this Jewish man laying there on the ground. And though that man would maybe never pick him up, he stops and helps. About to die, and he stops and helps. Is this a really high bar? Crazy, isn't it? There's a girl named Mary. She was young, just a, just a kid, really. She'd had a hard birth, and her birth had left scars on her—mental, physical scars. And of all of the things that bothered her, her name bothered her. She has lots of reasons to be discouraged about the life, the cards that were dealt to her. But this the name, Mary, really bothered her. This guy runs, runs into her one day, and they just start talking. He says to her, oh, I have a daughter named Mary. I love that name. It's a biblical name. It's like, it's such a cool name. It's Jesus' mom. And he just, just a girl, just a kid. Doesn't know anything about this problem she has with her name. He's just being kind. He goes home, gets a note from the father. My daughter has always hated her name because it's so plain. Everybody's a Mary. And the conversation you had with her today changed her mind about her name. Someone to bless them. I don't have to have all the answers to all the questions in the world to change somebody's life. Kindness in a hateful, mean world has a huge impact. A smile, a note, a small move in the direction of God in someone's life. You notice nobody gave a Bible study? Of these three illustrations? You notice that the Samaritan didn't try to convert the Jew that he found? It's a simple thing. But it is the mission of the church. It is why we're here. To go about behaving like Jesus in our crazy world. That's our job. What I wanted to say today is it's accessible to you and to me. You can do this out of the natural impulses of your heart. You do not have to remember what Pastor Tim and I have had to say. Just follow the impulse of kindness. Follow the impulse to care about a person who's somewhere nearby. And you will be fulfilling this command. Love God. take up all of our time and it would be time well spent it would be a life well lived and we would leave a trail of blessing behind us we had a funeral in our church several years ago younger woman younger people's funerals are are always especially difficult very well attended simply because they have so many friends still around. A person came to that funeral from Los Angeles to hear. They had actually never met this person in person, they had only talked to her on the phone. But her demeanor. meaningful to them that when they heard about her passing they had to come and let her family and friends know what a blessing she had been to them that's the legacy for us believers that's our call that's our legacy to live a life that leaves a trail of blessings behind. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your love for us. I pray that you would continually remind us of the call to be that love in other people's lives, to love our neighbors, to touch the lives of those around us, to be the kind of people that represent you well. Father God, I pray that you will bring people into our lives this week that we might love on your behalf. We're grateful Because we fail at this more than we succeed, I pray for love to exude from us when we're driving on a stupid freeway, when we're facing conflict in our home, at our work, when we're just on the street. Remind us that we are called to love and worship. Serve and follow you home. And then we are called to love our neighbor. Show us ways of which.
1: Thank you that we can get together here to worship your holy, holy name. Oh, Father, thank you so much that, dare I say, you met the minimum requirements to save us. Wow, those minimum requirements, though, hefty price. Jesus gave his life for us. Lord you're asking that we love God and love our neighbor give us the strength to do that we're weak we're human we need you so badly help us meet those desires and plant them on our heart each morning when we arise give us that extra nudge Lord to draw us back to you that we can say each morning, good morning, Lord. We love you. Thank you for your love. As we go about our day, help us to interact with others as you would want us to through a Christ-like love. Lord, and help us to know our neighbor aren't just the ones in the house next door the ones sitting here next to us in church, but our neighbor's people we probably think of the least or may not even like. If we have any hatred in our heart, Lord, take that from us. Continue to plant that seed of love within us. Help it grow, nourish it. And may we live out lives that reflect that love of yours to every person around us. Help us as a church body to be a church of love. May our community know that we care and love about them and love them. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. We're so glad that you've been here.